Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Each month, over 80,000 people download podcasts produced from the fevered mind of Royfield Brown. They cover a gamut of topics like maps, politics, American presidents, history, the archers, Formula One, Jamaican culture, and Englishness. Go to wherever you get your podcast and type in Royfield Brown to discover a new favorite podcast today. What does Matrix, Rebel Without a Cause, and the classic weepy movie Titanic have in common? You might be surprised to hear what they have in common is that they are all gay. And in fact, according to Milo and Nico, all films are gay. Milo and Nico are an essentially a bloody funny couple. They analyse classic movies and discover that actually, deep in the narrative, are gay tropes. If you love films, if you love film criticism, this is the podcast for you. With their tongue firmly in their cheek, Milo and Nico convince you that every film is gay. Go download it from a podcatcher of your choice today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers.
week's spooky dum dum is from Marie Bray, and dum dum this week is sponsored by Jennifer Wern, who became a new Patreon this week. This is dum dum this year, but the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the overly sensitive male who is Royfield Brown, and today I'm joined by the woman whose cackle could rival Lillian's, <laughs> who is Miss Christmas in Manchester. On this episode, we'll hear from Witherspoon, Polly Perks, Rob Williams, Jacqueline, Red Agnes and Christy. Plus, all of that good stuff. We're going to have Tweet of the Week from our pumpkin and we have the social media roundup from our Witherspoon. Now, good people, little note here. It says YouTube. Now, YouTube is a fantastic resource of which you are all well aware. But did you know there is some dum-de-dums on YouTube? Oh, yes. We've been doing interviews with the actors who play the characters in the arches for some two plus years now so if you go over onto the youtubes type in dum de dum you will see all of our friday zooms and more so get your bums over there by typing dum de dum into the youtubes and uh, have yourself some fun and whilst you're there subscribe to us and if you haven't done so already please subscribe if you have actually seen our content because uh, points means prizes and all of that now that's youtube now we got we're gonna have the facebook roundup and we're gonna be welcoming new members to our facebook fraternity but first let's look at the week in ambridge but first let's look at the week in ambridge from our sooth queen or tart good heavens you're not that rusty are you Sorry, I thought I'd mute my mic for a minute there. <laughs> Hello, it's Siri, Queen Hotel on the Twitters here, with another week in Ambridge. Truly, this was a week of the rich and the poor, the hunted and the chased. Some of us are by fate those who make decisions, and the rest of us have to deal with those decisions. Sorry about that, I came over a bit prosaic for a moment. Peggy has decided to boycott St Stephen's. I imagine the congregation are dealing with the loss of their opinionated, demanding matriarch rather well. The archers lost a little of their shine. The Aldridges are on top with Alice, who was bedded into the stables, running the team chase. Mia took a long, hard look at the riders, some of whom make liberal use of the whip. Elizabeth offered her a job at Lower Loxley. Oh dear. Mia and Brad plotted an action on the night of the Hunt Ball, which I suspect will have repercussions, which may shake Ambridge to the very core, or at least get them an interview with um, His Majesty's Constabulary. Chelsea told Ben that she was having the termination and told him she didn't want him to go to the appointment. He gave lip service to supporting her however she wanted and chose to ignore her wishes by simply turning up at the hospital. She is likely to have a traumatising procedure rather than the simpler one she could have had earlier. It's all very grim, really. Ben did have a heart-to-heart with Rex, primarily about Bert. It's been a year since he died. Rex has moved his boat to be somewhere quieter, presumably with the onboard low loader and crane assembly that got it into the am in the first place. He tells Ruth that he's worried about Ben and she says she'll go round with a home-cooked meal soon. Please, please let this not be one of her lasagnas, but something that Jill has cooked. Otherwise, Ben will have even more problems to deal with. Talking of the older archers, Leonard pulled a fast one and is going to try out the new B&B arrangements at Brookfield, therefore getting a bunk up with Jill. Hands up everyone who thought that they'd already sorted themselves out in that regard, and actually it's none of the junior archers' business. 
First, he had the joy of listening to Kate throwing an almighty strop at the rear wilding project, stealing all her clients' and spiritual home, only to be told they were going to offer her first refusal. Listening to her backtracking was a spectacular joy. Kate was tasked with getting or being a wicked witch on the Halloween walk, which she doesn't want to do and instead would rather be an Earth Mother-style Wiccan practitioner. Not really very Halloween. In an extremely annoying fashion, she persuaded Lillian to undertake the role, at which at least Lillian can bring the cackle. Then she sucked up to Kirsty in the most awful fashion, leaving Lillian at danger of falling over in the dark in the woods and not being able to fulfil her duties in green face paint, cackling at the local kitty wrinkles. Please, Kirsty, hold out. Don't give Kate the yoga sessions, please. Back to the serious bit. Jazza dealt with the impending loss of a potential baby, both by comforting Chelsea and Tracy. Beth is really trying to help and be there for Ben and for Chelsea, which seems above and beyond, frankly. Ben is feeling out of the picture and he's going through an ordeal too. He broke up with Beth, throwing her out of the stables. He claims to have got away scot-free, whilst everyone else is going through pain and trauma. The meltdown over his lack of fatherhood and loss of identity was a terrific piece of acting by Ben Norris. Ruth showed up to hear the whole awful story with the dreaded lasagna cooked by her own fair hand via seeing photographs of Martha dressed as a pumpkin. I think that sums up the arches this week and every week really. Well, till next one, let's hope it's a good one. Thank you, RCVR, Queen or Tart. Well, can I just add my plaudits to, to Ben Norris? Holy camoly. Did they give out Oscars for radio drama performances, do you reckon, this Christmas? I reckon they should probably start doing it, at least a BAFTA minimum. They, they really do. They really do need to, because that was some of the best emotional acting I've heard in a long time. Because like radio acting, generally, what kind of marks it out is the subtlety of performance, isn't mm. it? And a lot of it is actually projection, how you receive it as you, the listener. But this was like, excuse the French, balls out, kind of like, you could, you could hear the snot and the tears dribbling down his face mm. as he was just losing his poo-poo, so to speak. This was good. This was some good stuff. Ben Norris, well done, sir. And it must be so hard to convey that emotion when nobody can see your face and you're just performing into a microphone. So really, really impressive. Right. So we we thought, didn't we, you and I, that it was just going to be mm-hmm. you and I pontificating, <laughs> filling in dead air on this uh, podcast. But listeners came to the aid of the party at the last minute didn't they we put out an sos and we actually ended up with some calls thank you very much to everyone who came in last minute and saved the day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well done all this is the people's podcast after all so why don't we do a little bit of this hello ambridge three nine six two now, first off on my list of caller interests is Red Agnes. She's a proper blast from the past. So Red Agnes, big thumbs up to you. Madam, you're going first. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. It's Red Agnes here. I'm really sorry I've not been on for ages. I'm glad that Vicky is back and I'm glad that Royfield is back. And I've listened to you this week for the first time and I don't know how long and I'm ashamed of myself. I think I'm still 
exchanging various messages with Witherspoon and Angus Haggis have been listening to the Archers, but not yourselves. And I'm hanging my head in shame. Anyway, oh, Alistair's sister, she was definitely gay. And have you forgotten Rowry? How can you possibly get Rowry? He's definitely got some issues with uh, his sexuality. I'm sure he fancies Ben. Anyway, while you were talking about procrastination last week, I just wondered if you wanted to think about the word cunctation, which is also another word for procrastination, but it's much better because it's a bit rude. And I'm a big fan of active procrastination. There are at least three or maybe four different kinds of procrastination that you can get yourself involved with. And some of them allow you to have a little bit of a conscience and some of you to think that doing the wrong thing becomes the right thing sometimes, which is probably why it's taken me so long to get back on to Dumpty Dump. My only excuse, well, I probably have many, but the main excuse is I got myself into true crime podcasts and I really fell in love with them and I've been going to sleep with all sorts of horrible murders and things. And there's one called Murder Mile by a guy called Michael who lives on a boat. And that's really, really very interesting. But now I'm back with yourselves. I'm going to carry on listening and carry on posting. Bye-bye. Thank you for that, Red Agnes. First off, let's just deal with those points in in reverse order because famously at Miss Christmas, I don't take notes here. So fundamentally, (laughs) I'll say... I'll say let's do this in reverse order because it means that's the only thing I actually remember from what's actually been said. Are you taking notes? Is one of us the grown up? <laughs> I have podcast? got notes. I've got notes. Brilliant. Always right, love smashing. To have them prepared. Right, so, okay, let's deal with the most important matter first, which is true crime podcasts. Right. I, for one, find them derivative and, you know, fundamentally the same. And I was speaking to a friend of mine. Gerard Kobeck, who's written a book about the Zodiac Killer, who, and most Brits have no idea who the Zodiac Killer is, about this terrible person who murdered few people in California in the, in the early 1970s, but he was never caught, is the whole point of the Zodiac Killer. Right? And I said to him, why is it that women are so fascinated by true crime? Would you like to hazard a guess as to what his answer was, Miss Christmas? Because the true crime genre is beloved by women it is yeah oh has to guess at the answer Mm. um i don't know i was well there's always this huge thing that when uh, that ted bundy film came out with uh, zach efron playing him everyone Mm. was like you've made the serial killer sexy but apparently ted bundy was actually quite a good looking man i don't think so from pictures i've seen but it was a bit of a different time so maybe it's the mysterious aspect of a serial killer but I don't really think that that's quite very sexy to me, if I'm honest. <laughs> but I'd love to know the answer. He said, bearing in mind he's spent the last two years researching the Zodiac Killer, he said the reason why women find it so appealing and are so public about it is acceptable pornography. Really? Socially acceptable pornography. He says it's not porn porn, but he says yeah. a lot of it is stranger danger, which people find attractive, but then also it's getting into the minutiae of the gruesomeness of the killings. But, and he says, he equates it to being, it's like socially acceptable porn. And he said, and if those murderers have had some level of a sexual element, even better. Gave me pause for thought. I'll be thinking about that one after we've read Anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> whilst you get down to your next uh, true crime podcast. All right. Now, now we've done with that. We've dealt with that mystery. What other, po- what other points did Pedagogy bring up? Alice's sister being gay. I have to come clean here and say my archer's knowledge does not remember Alice's sister. And I did have a look up. So if you can remember her name or sort of her story, take this one away because maybe that one's blank from my mind. I cannot remember her name, but I will tell you something about the actor who played Alice's sister. She's black. Oh, okay. And it's one of those instances where, though I think we all let us presume that this is his biological sister. The actor who actually played her was was black because on the radio, it doesn't really matter. No. So that's the only thing that I can remember about. But I can remember her. She came in for a tiny little bit, but I cannot remember her name. And actually, Michael, who plays Alistair, really got on with the actor because I know we, we talked about her when he came on to Dum Dee Dum. It's another reason for people to go and watch our YouTubes. He said, oh, the actor who played her was superb. He really got on, blah, blah, blah. It's really good to have a sister. But yeah, the actor who played her was, was black. There you go. That's all I remember. And yes, I had forgotten that she played a gay character. Well, there we go. I didn't know that at all. I don't, can't remember. Mm-hmm. How long ago was this? It might have been before my... I'm going to go three time. years ago. So it's pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Still in my listening remit though, but... I think with the monologues that happened during COVID, so much of my archers listening from before faded into the background. If when I'm listening to the archers one more time and the next thing comes on shuffle, which is making mince pies with Jill Archer, oh, I'm going to lose my mind a little bit if I have to hear that recipe one more time. It automatically comes on straight I can't think of a better thing to listen to that would work as perfectly on the radio as... Listen along with our Jill making mince pies. I'm it's a bony Fido, 110% lover of a mincer. I'm the type of person that walks down to test it. You too. Love it. Well, come on, the surname, the clues in the surname. <laughs> you know, so can you go down to Tesco's, get a whole packet of mince pies, you know, on that run up to Christmas and just get that Christmas feeling by eating the whole pack of six? I'd give it a good like go. An, an <laughs> I'd give it a go. That is me. That mom said, where are you going to? I'm just, just popping out at Tesco's. I have a quick mincer. Six <laughs> later. You know, oh. <laughs> anyway, what else did Reg Agnes go on about? Apart from the fact that she's now back into the fold. She's back in, back onto the Dumpty Dummers. Rory mm. thinks that Rory could be gay. He's quite an effeminate character. And obviously he does have oh, the close... Did you say problem with his sexuality? Well, he's bisexual. Problem, yeah. I think so, yeah. Mm. If I can I, remember that, I story. think Red Agnes. That, that was that, that was the wrong word to use, but I got got your meaning, Red yeah. Agnes. But yes, he, he is he's bisexual. Though to be fair, because I did look at the messages that people were posting about diversity last week, and it's specifically what we're talking about is a lesbian character who is involved with storylines. So we have had Anna Trigorin, we've had Alistair's sister, but they've been really fleeting characters, and it's not as if the emotional side of their personalities was actually explored. So in that regard, yes, Ambridge isn't served by having um, lesbians of note, shall we say, as opposed to lesbians in passing uh, on its cast. Though, again, as I said, what I said last week, wider diversity is actually quite well served in Ambridge. And some might even say slightly over, slightly over served, you know. 
I can safely say that the village that I grew up in is nowhere near as diverse as Ambridge. <laughs> and that's 10 minutes from Brighton. So <laughs> you'd think it would be a little really? bit more, but no. Yeah, really. What, what, uh, what village was that? Hurstby Point. Well, I, I kind of know it on, on, on the map because I went to college in Worthing, but I don't know it, know it. Nice around there. I don't know why I did a West Country accent then. but <laughs> Do you know what? There are totally some... Um, inappropriate. <laughs> there are some proper, proper old school farmers in Hurstby Point who do have a farmer's accent that sounds like a West Country accent. And when I first heard it, I thought I was in the cast of Hot Fuzz or something. It was just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> cast of Hot Fuzz, well done. Right, so Red Agnes, thank you for rejoining the fold. And now let's go to Rob. Rob Williams. Just wanted to get in the hope of being one of the first ones to say it because I did mention this on Facebook and everybody else seems to have been spotted it. I think Mia is ugly enough for a job around the horses and or the hunt ball because she fancies sabotaging something. Whether she's going to ruin the, the big night, whether she's going to free all the horses, well, I don't know. I don't know. But I think the way she was asking about uh, the goings on at the hunt ball and how pleased she was when she was told about things being a bit unusual and a bit relaxed and things happening, the idea, idea that she really perked up. Yep, that's all. Good luck, everybody. Bye bye. Mm. Rob, I think you're spot on the money, sir, about Mia being a hunt saboteur. My friend Joe and I went for a walk this week and the first thing I said, oh, I'm doing the podcast this weekend. Let me know your thoughts so I can channel some of those as well. And she said, Mia, sorry, I mean Greta Thunberg. And I just thought that summed it up perfectly. <laughs> um, our little mini Ambridge Greta Thunberg. So thank you, Joe, for that little anecdote there. Can't claim that as my own. But yeah, she definitely has a plan up her sleeve. But I like it because, you know, there's always going to be a climate change warrior in that sort of generation where they're seeing the actual effects of global warming growing up and on social media across the world and in the office that I used to work in in Brighton the climate change protests would come past the window and there were thousands and thousands of children I don't know if it was just an excuse to get out of school but <laughs> I really like respected the fact there were so many of them doing it and even though you are in a farming village you're going to see the repercussions more and you're going to be close up to it and yeah, I do think she's plotting a little something and I kind of hope she gets Brad on board because we need a little something something from Brad. A little romantic climate change warriors. I'm here for that love story. <laughs> Absolutely. I I'm here for it too. The other thing as well, if you can't be idealistic at her age, what is she, 16, 17? When can you be idealistic? Right. Exactly. And let's be honest about it. There is... That whole hunting malarkey massively divides opinions within the UK, massively. And when they were looking at those old pictures and with the blooding, etc., etc., you know, if you're not part of that fraternity, it sounds gruesome. And people are reveling in the, the senseless murder of a sentient being. There's, there's no, no two ways about it. So... Whilst I wouldn't put myself down as a hunt saboteur, I'm most definitely emotionally on that side of the argument. Agreed, very much so. I don't eat meat, so I'm a little bit mm. of a me and myself. <laughs> so, Rob, sir, you were the first person to, to call in this week. You were super nice and early. 
it's time for me to say this. The best and the easiest way for you to record a message or a block prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dumdum. And don't forget that T in the middle. You can also find a link to how you do this in our show notes. We need your calls in by 6pm on a Sunday UK time. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind you need to be at least 18 to take part. This is the People's Podcast, so we need people to help us to put the podcast together. There are a few things you can do. First off, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button in whatever podcast you're listening to us on and give us a five-star review. And finally, the third thing what you can consider becoming is a Patreon. Patreon is a way of tipping us creators, and there are different levels with different rewards. So if you just go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, we'd be chuffed to bits to have your support, as we've had from our new Patreon, Jennifer Wayne. Now, before we go back to our calls, don't forget, you can send us an email if you don't fancy hearing your voice by going on to dumptydum.com and hitting that contact us link. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. But I tell you who let us down this week, Madame Berto. But she's <gasps> decided she's decided to send us in just a little message just to say sorry. Hello, this is Jacqueline Berto from Sanguen. Call her in for a change. I'm sitting in a, on a terrace watching a sunset in La Rochelle. It's very beautiful. The arches this week. I've really struggled with the, uh, Chelsea's storyline and it's not got better. I really don't, I'm really very happy that I am not having to discuss this with Royfield. I find it very irritating, upsetting, and I wanted to stop now. Have a good one. Bye. Right. Now, the Chelsea storyline has touched us in lots of different ways. Whether you are, you believe that a woman has the right to choose. If you don't, if you believe that life starts at conception, then me as a bloke, right, as a dad, and I'd be, you know, and I've had a partner who's had determination. Um, you know, I'm 53 now, so I can hold my hand up and say I've had two partners that have had terminations. It does spin you all the way back now Jacqueline has said 
that the Chelsea storyline has upset her. There are so many different facets to this Chelsea storyline, of which Ben is only but one of them. We had that spectacular meltdown this week. I don't know that I'd agree with my regular co-host, Julia, that it upset me this week. But first off, considering that we haven't had you on for a little while, where do you sit with the whole storyline? And then let's delve into the, the nuance of it. Of course. So I think it's a really important storyline. I think the last time I was on, I made the point of it being such a political thing at the moment, particularly in the US. But of course, that can then stem across to some right wing politicians in the UK and the acts that they're trying to do. And recently, there was also the law passed of stopping people protesting from within, I think it's a 15 15 metre or 150 metre zone around abortion clinics, which is fantastic. So it's a really, really relevant, up to date story. And I think it's really important that the Archer scriptwriters have done this. And I will say that it's the first time I've ever seen a termination story or listened to a termination story where it's got to the point of it being so far along. It's normally one of those things that's sort of either nipped in the bud or they disappear into hospital for a day or they take a pill at home. So I have to say it's my first viewing of this in modern media, I suppose, or popular culture. So I think that's really interesting. And it is very upsetting for a lot of people. But then on the offhand, very important. Mm. Ben this week has been interesting. And it's something which I've said a few times on on, on Dum Dee Dum. Men and fatherhood, potential parenthood, men and terminations, abortions, whatever you want to call it, we do get forgotten. And we get forgotten for a very understandable reason. It's not our decision to make as to whether that pregnancy is carried forward. It isn't. When I was told that I was going to become a father, and I didn't want to, I'll be quite honest, I said, this is not right for us at at this time. Where I do chime with Ben massively is a sense of powerlessness, right? This is a woman's decision to choose. I'm so clear on that. But it doesn't mean that you don't have any feelings, though. You know, and I think we've got to be really careful here that some people have been saying that Ben has been putting himself and making it all about him. And I I understand to a small degree people saying that, but it's not as if he confronted Chelsea with his confusion with his emotional confusion, he didn't because he appreciated that it's her decision to make. But it is still allowed to have feelings. Me personally, as a as a 20, let's say Ben is 22, 23, I can't remember exactly how old he is. As a 22, 23-year-old man, most 22, 23-year-old men would have said, I dodged a bullet here. She's not going to have it. Let's be honest, yeah? I know you're nodding your head. Yeah. But... But that's not everybody. Most isn't everybody. And Ben is most definitely not quite every 22, 23-year-old man here. But anyway, that's me off the top of my head. No, I completely agree. And Ben has no one to talk to about it in his circle because, Beth, you're not going to talk to your current girlfriend about the woman that you knocked up when you were on a break for about a week and a half, two weeks, I think it was. And... Chelsea's asked for him not to tell anyone, which is more than fair enough. Which just Ambridge is a small place. Gossip is going to get around. But, and obviously he's working quite a lot, just moved in with his girlfriend. He's got a lot going on. 
And he needed to take that step to reach out to an independent person. And pregnancy clinics offer advice and counselling for the partners of people going through these things. So it would be great if Ambridge and the Archers could make people aware of that. And they usually are quite good at putting things in the show notes and on Twitter, etc. But yeah, there is there are people to speak to. But I completely understand. It's obviously boiled up in Ben of feeling that I've got to be a great girlfriend for Beth. I've got to be supportive for Chelsea, but not overly so because she doesn't want me to be overly so. I can't tell her, oh, I think, no, I, I've thought about being a father and blah, 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 blah. So it is a tough situation for him to be in. And he's not got anyone to talk to about it. And that's hard for anyone. It, it absolutely is. And the other thing is, is that Ben, which I was really interesting, the scene with Rex really was um, him saying, yeah, I always do the right thing. And that I'm selfless in that regard, even though, and I you know, people see, see, see me as being selfless in that regard, but it has emotional consequences for me. And the other thing is as well, you know, I've got to hold my hat, hold my hat, take my hat off to also to Beth in this regard, because she is trying to go along and to support her partner. And this cannot be easy, cannot be easy. Technically speaking, they're on a break and whatever, but it's just the ramifications and who wants to put themselves in in that position? So well done to Beth. I'm not here as to to be a a massive kind of like men's rights advocate here, but I just think when people say it takes two to tango, right, it also means that two people can have thoughts and feelings and emotions about it. Ultimately, though, it's a woman's right to choose of that as people not to misconstrue what I'm what I'm trying to say here at all. But but I think Jacqueline Berto, this has been um, a tremendous week. And also what I've what I also liked as well was Chelsea going to the clinic and the strength that these that she's shown as well. And also Jazza appreciating what she's going through. And, you know, taking the day off work. I couldn't disagree with you more, Madame Berto. Uh, Jacqueline Berto, maybe when you are back behind the microphone next week, you and I can eyeball each other about this and maybe we'll come to fisticuffs. I don't know, but I, I'm just thinking this storyline is just giving and giving. But there you go, Madame Berto. I'm going to move on from you. Let's move on now to Witherspoon in the upper, lower, east, west side. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Royfield, Julia, and all Dumpty Dumbers around the world. It's with Spoon and Angus Haggis here. First, Royfield. Here's a bit of advice. If there's a Grand Prix race or a football match on the telly, may I suggest that you use that button on the remote labeled record. Then you do not ignore poor Jacqueline during the podcast. Afterwards, you can then even fast forward through the ads while watching your favorite sporting event without distraction. Now, a prediction. Mia and Brad will get married, but in about 10 years and without any pregnancy scare because they are sensible, non-impulsive young people. Obviously, they will both go to university, get their doctorates, and become professors at Oxford. 
Brad in mathematics, and Mia in environmental studies. They will have two fairly well-behaved children who rebel by becoming musicians. Now, what will happen at the Hunt Ball to disrail this happy future is anyone's guess. Suggestions welcome. Talk to you soon. Thank you for that, Mr. Spoon. But I know you like sports, as you, as you Americans call it. But really, it's just sport. We all know sport is singular and plural. But anyway, I know that you like sport as well. But, it, but it's not the same as watching it after it's happened. You've got to be in and have that live experience. Everybody knows that. Do you know, when you know the result, you know, and it's already happened, it's, it's just like sloppy seconds. It's no good. No good. Just saying. I'm right, the same now, with Strictly uh, Come Dancing. <laughs> there you go. I'm the same with Str- there you go. Strictly Come Dancing. Staying off Twitter until I've watched it after this. So I've also made mm. a big sacrifice on this Sunday evening. Yeah, Huntball, Huntball Saboteur. I'm imagining this sort of paint throwing over everyone's beautiful dresses or if there's going to be a presentation, it will just be filled with foxes being murdered etc but i love the idea of mia and brad getting married in this sort of wedding in a forest that will be carbon neutral and they'll build a net zero home and it'll just be all very modern good life (laughs) you can't remember the good life the first time round. you're too young loved it we used to watch the christmas special every year you know when they made the newspaper hats Oh, to the Daily. Is it the Daily Mail that Margot doesn't want? <laughs> I give you the Telegraph instead. <laughs> <laughs> the good life. Wow, that's a slice of the seventies, forward slash eighties. Yeah. So, mm, I hope they're going to live happily ever, ever after. But I don't. But we need them not to fall for. Well, they can fall for each other right now. Then they can have a bust up, have a break up, go to university, and then come back to the village. And then rekindle because you can't be, you know, you don't want them to be 50 and they've been together (laughs) all that time. And, you know, it's wonderful that they're going to be each other's first loves, but you need to get out there and sample other wares as well, don't you? Just saying. (laughs) Sow those oats. That's not what I said, but it's what I meant. Mr. Spoon, thank you for that call. And also thank you for, for rallying to the cause of your of the People's Podcast because I know you did that at a, a moment's notice, sir. Thank you. Now we're going on to Paul, a.k.a. Polly Perks. Uh, hi there, you too, Roy Phil Julia. Very nice to speak to you. It's Polly Perks here, Paul Newman. The thing I'd like to go on about today is Ben. I mean, he, how more, much more clearly could he have been told not to turn up. Firstly, because Chelsea didn't want him there, because it was her decision and she wanted to get on with it. And secondly, because she was quite prepared for no one ever to know who the father was. But of course, Ben turns up. Now, he does this on the guise of, I'm here to help. But we mustn't forget, Ben is an archer and has this ingrained sense of entitlement. And if, like his sister Pip, if an archer wants to do something, then he believes that is the right thing to do and he can't believe anybody could possibly have any objection. Well, I have the strongest objections. I know Tracy was surprised to find she's got a potential Archer grandson, but I also think that Ben, especially after his meltdown on Friday, will do something to try to stop 
Chelsea going through the awful process, which unfortunately she has to go through next week. It's not a simple process. It's an absolutely awful one. Anyway, that's my rant over, and I hope you two are well, and I look forward to hearing you. Thank you for that, Paul, a.k.a. Polly Perks. Here's the thing, right, and, and, and if ever we needed two minutes call from Witherspoon to really look at the motivation of a character, I think it's Ben right now. And yes, he was told, you do not need to turn up. But as I, but I refer you to that scene with Rex where he says, I always do the right thing. He sees it as he is as responsible as as Chelsea and as such needs to go through some level of emotional pain. That's what he's saying. He, he can't get over the fact that he can somehow get away with this. Relatively speaking, Scott Free, it's not right. If, the way that he sees it, you know, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Most men of his age would have gone, I've dodged a bullet here. Let's just shuffle this away as something which has happened in my life, which I'll never refer to. And I'll just move on. Ben's not like that. And because he wants to do the right thing, he felt he had to be there. Now, forget the rights and the wrongs. He's driven by a sense of wanting to do the right thing, but also sharing in the emotional fallout. Yeah, it feels a bit of a breach of Chelsea's trust. I think when she's already going through something like that and fair play, she's told her mum, which I don't think a lot of 17-year-old girls would do. She's still 17, isn't she? Or is she 18 now? No, 17. Not sure. Either way, either way, if she's you say young. that you don't want someone... You don't want someone there. You don't want someone there. I spoke to mm. you earlier in the week, Royfield, and said that I was a, around Chase Chelsea's age. When I had a termination, I was 18. Let's hope my mum doesn't listen to this podcast because I didn't tell my mum at the time. <laughs> Just, I think, as an overall arching thing, and what Jacqueline, I think, was trying to say in her call earlier as well, is that they've made it into such a big deal of a story and I know that every woman's choice will be completely different. Every woman's experience of a termination will be different. But for me, I didn't think twice. You know, it was like, oh, my God, not a chance. I'm 18. I'm about to go away for a gap year. Like, not a chance that this is going to happen. And it wasn't an agonizing process of weighing up pros and cons. Can I afford it? And after chatting to a couple of my friends, well, my two friends who listen to The Archers, both of them said the same thing we we wouldn't think about twice about it and it's not something that I've ever become hung up on and the entitlement of Ben thinking that he can involve himself in something that she didn't want he could be there afterwards text her asking how's it going she can hide that from Tracy it just feels like he's making it into even more of a big deal than it already is which obviously she's a lot further along than I was but he's now involved Tracy which is a hard thing for Chelsea to have to have that relationship with her mum and now there's an extra part of it whereas there was the anonymity before and I just feel like he's made a bad decision turning up at the clinic and also sorry when you're already going through that you do not need the stress of someone being like how long how long are you going to be what's the waiting queue like oh my god please <laughs> just want to eat my biscuit in the recovery room in peace <laughs> absolutely I, I thoroughly agree with you 
I find myself saying this week after week, is that what is brilliant about the way that not just this storyline, but so many storylines are written is that there is no absolute right and there's no absolute wrong, or at least you can understand the motivations of, of characters in the way that they act. And what makes this a compelling storyline is all the shades of grey here. It's very easy from, from the outside with our, our own life experience to say, well, you should do this decision or make that decision. And when I was told at the age of 19 that my three weeks into our relationship, my girlfriend was pregnant, I just looked at her mouth agape and she says, you don't even have to think about it. I'm not going to have it. And yeah, I'm. If, if I didn't say to her, to her face, thank God for that, I most definitely thought that. And then I said all the things you're supposed to say. Well, it is your decision and I'll back you whatever way. But I was like, please, God, thank God that you, you're not going to go through with this. But I'm not Ben. Ben is not me. Right. And I'm trying to understand, and I think I do. I don't agree, but I understand that he sees that he's done something and he needs to try and share in the emotional pain and fallout. Should he have been there? you know, at that appointment? No. But I understand somebody who thinks the way that he does, who always wants to do the right thing and has beat himself up for putting himself in this position that he felt that he had to go. Me personally, I wouldn't have gone, but I think I just about understand that emotion. And I, and I don't think he's making it about him because of the emotional fallout. He can't cope with actually what's happened. He can't. So, mm. Let us move on. But thank you, Polly Perks, for that call. Now let's go to Christy in Illinois. Hi there. This is Christy from Illinois, sometimes caller inert. Haven't called in in a long time, so I haven't given this much thought other than to say I was getting a little annoyed by how dragged out the storyline was with Ben and Beth and Chelsea in part because I thought was clear where I thought the screenwriters were going and they seem to have landed on a decision for Chelsea, which is going to be great. I was sort of surprised at Ben's emotional sort of breakdown. I don't want to call it a breakdown because that seems negative. I think that it was something he needed to do because he was clearly trying to be something for everyone else. He was trying to be something for Chelsea and let her make her decisions without sort of making space for himself in that. And I admire that. And he was trying not to make a problem for Beth. And I just kind of understood deeply how hard it was or how hard it must have been for him trying to be all of these things for other people and not being himself and to think through and process all of what he was going through. I was a little upset with Beth for taking so much of this on as kind of like her cross to bear. It didn't make sense for me, but his emotional outburst makes a lot more sense than Beth's. So I was kind of proud of Ben for finally sort of letting some of that go and have been kind of wondering about Beth's somewhat selfish overdoing it for herself. So anyway, that's my thoughts. Beth, emotionally overdoing it. What says you, Christmas? I don't agree with you there, Christy, I'm afraid. I think Beth has been very strong throughout this whole thing. I don't think she's my favourite character in (laughs) Ambridge at all. You know, of course she's going to be crying in bed at night thinking about her boyfriend sleeping with someone else and potentially having a child with someone else. I know that she knows about the termination, but that's an experience that you think you'd go through together with someone as a couple, not your boyfriend 
with someone else. And I don't know, in that, I think it was Friday's episode, it almost felt like she was the one who who was kind of saying, Ben, I'm here. I'm I'm trying to help you out. I'm going to be your ear and you're forcing me out. So no wonder that you're getting like this. Of course, she's going to be crying in bed. I'd be doing the same thing, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's just, I feel quite sorry for Beth. She's not had a great time of it this year. And again, it just goes to the point which I was about making before, and I agree with you completely. You can see this from just about everybody's point of view. The I tell you, the one point of view which I can't quite see it from is Chelsea's, in that it took us so long to come to this decision. There is nothing that I can really understand other than she's a very young 17-year-old, which I keep saying week after week, that it would have taken this amount of time to come to that decision. Considering her background, that made no sense to me. Not that she fell pregnant, that I understand. But other than that, I think I understand just about everybody's motivations. Not that I would have acted necessarily in the way that everybody else did, but and, and, and I think... You know, that's the reason why this is such a great storyline. But but I appreciate that it's playing out in real time. And for some people, that has become fatiguing, that we haven't just had, well, she's pregnant, and then two weeks later, then we're off to, to another storyline. Yeah, it makes sense. It, it can be a bit exhausting because it has gone on for so long. And with you saying about her being such a young 17-year-old, my friend and I were discussing this and we said the same thing because there is no way in hell that we wouldn't have Googled absolutely everything before making a decision but it wouldn't have taken as long as it did for Chelsea there are so many resources online that she has under at her fingertips and if she chatted to one of her friends she'd probably find out that one of them had been through it as well and maybe mm. she doesn't have those relationships but yeah it, it's such a long time to make a decision and now obviously she's mm. made it worse for herself you know that's actually a really good point because we're led to believe that Chelsea is socially gregarious okay and she did go to the rave. You don't go to that by yourself, do you? But we don't know who she actually went with, but she was there. Okay. So Chelsea should have friends. You would have thought she'd have one good friend if she could have confided in. Because generally, generally people don't go through this by themselves. Women don't go through this by themselves. You know, you confide in somebody. But that's a very good point. Very good point. And I believe that is the end of our caller innerism. I do think we had a little bit of an issue with the link this week. So thank you to Philippa who said she got in touch. But unfortunately, we the internet must have not been in our favour this week. So thank you anyway, Philippa. Yes, thank you, Philippa. So that means we have no email arenas this week. So that means we have no email arenas this week. But don't forget, you can go to contact us on dumdum.com. Go hit tab there. Or you can go to WhatsApp. And send us a textual message by going on to plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six, and you you can thumb your thoughts there. So now we've done our lack of email errors. Let's see what our Facebook posse have been talking about on Facebook. Boo! Did I scare you? Happy Halloween! It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here with this week's social media review. Another very busy six days in Ambridge and on our Facebook page. 
Kate Lyle kicked it off by pondering the relationship between Joy and Mick. Is this the start of a domestic abuse storyline? Pat Hanavan pointed out that Helen, who lives next door, could be the one who assists Joy in this potential situation. Lillian McCarthy said that while Mick does seem to be domineering, it doesn't necessarily mean he's abusive. Many Dumpty Dumbers just hope this is not the case. Louise Lawton thought that Mick might just bore Joy to death, but Melly McMerryweather struck a more hopeful tone and thought that Mick would be the one to contact Rochelle and hopefully help fences be mended. Mia's questions about the hunt ball early in the week got our tongues wagging. Many, including Rob Williams, Pete Ranson, Sevda Fahey, Maria Blum, Thea Campbell, Glenn Lewis, and Sandra Sayer predicted a demonstration or, worse yet, sabotage of the event. Bill Brown pointed out that this just may be another Archer's red herring, but by the end of Thursday's episode, we learned that Mia was indeed in a sabotage state of mind and was trying to recruit Lovestruck Brad to help. Melanie Ferris asked for predictions of what would be the disruptive act. Melanie Yu, being oh so courant, suggested that they throw a tin of soup at Russ's painting of Lily, and Rob Williams suggested something having to do with maggots and red paint. Next, Kate. Love her or hate her? Paul Newman, Ruth Pearl, and others love her. Natalie Getlorpe and I posted that we love to hate her. Ray Milner and Elizabeth Byrne offered up ambivalent feelings, with the latter adding that Kate does always add interest. So, who would be the best witch? Margaret Yu thought that Kate would be the perfect one, while Ruth Pearl noted that no one cackles like Lillian. And Anne Moore added that Lillian certainly frightened her. And just an addendum to all this, Natasha Cerny was very happy that Kirsty got her groove back. Another Kate Lyle question. Was Ben doing the right thing when he appeared at Chelsea's doctor's appointment? This question split Dumpty Dummers. Examples. Lynn Rafferty thought he behaved badly, and Joanne Smith thought he was just trying to make himself feel good. Julia Delwich and Lily Cloud thought he was being supportive, and that in the end, Chelsea appreciated him being there. Kate Lyle followed up with a poll question regarding Ben. 57% of respondents thought he's lovely, 19% needy, 7% appalling, and 10% trying, which can be interpreted in two very different ways. People may have felt differently following the final episode of the week and Ben's emotional scenes. Melly McMerryweather posted, As a mother of past teenage children, I found that episode very moving. Marion Sweeney agreed and added, Ben is clearly having a breakdown and is in need of professional help. He seems to be carrying an excessive and unjustified amount of guilt. And Lily Toff felt her heart breaking. There were many other responses to this post and others. Please check them out. Talk to you soon. Thank you, thank you, thank you with the spoon. You've doubled up this week. And thank you to everyone who posted their thoughts to the Dumpty Dum Facebook group. But if we're talking about Facebook, it must be time for us to welcome in our lovely new members. This week, we've had many lovely new members. Becky Blackmore. Keith Beale. Benjamin Cansey. And Emily Humphrey. Welcome, welcome, welcome. 
we have no new reviews on the old Apple podcasts, though I do know that Marie Bray struggled because she said, I don't have a seven-year-old to help me how to do this uh, by not posting her review. Now, good people, there is a link in the show notes. The show notes is the little bit of verbiage underneath the podcast in your podcatcher. There's a big link there and it takes you to a little place on, on the YouTubes that tells you how to write a review. So go watch somebody do it if you don't have a seven-year-old to help. There's one thing I want to mention before we close the show that I've completely forgot to mention earlier. My highlight of this week in Ambridge was Jazza and Chelsea watching reruns of The X Factor together. Just warmed my heart. Absolutely loved it. And anyway, now we're on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. We always include the Archers hashtag using a capital T and A so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers based tweets. Also, that hashtag is your opening for the tweet along both in the evenings and during the omnibus. Please try and include at Dumpty Dum in your tweet so more people can get to see it, which helps keep our community growing. As well as being at Dumpty Dum on Twitter, Miss Christmas, where can people find you on the social media platform which has just been purchased by Elon Musk? Ooh. I tweet non-archers related pop culture bits and pieces, mostly about Harry Styles love of my life over on at jasgate on twitter can i just say i'm very late to the harry styles train but <laughs> i really like that young man i Yay. like his last two couple of songs have been utter pop bangers wonderful pop sensibility and i love it that he just says you know what i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do wear a dress i'm gonna wear a dress and yeah I'm, I'm i'm all up for mr style so so well done sir i'm sure somebody is robust with their sexuality and their image as he's he must be a fan of the archers <laughs> one can only dream and hope now folks we're talking about twitter not harry styles it must be time for tweet of the week hello royfield jacqueline and dumpty dummers everywhere it's purple pumpkin here with a selection of tweets of the week This feels like it might be the last of us covering tweets if Elon Musk makes good on his threats to allow hate speech on Twitter and all the cosy archers tweeters leave. But for now, I'll keep trying to find the humour among those who haven't yet left the site and amid the fury being tweeted on all sides about the Chelsea and Ben storyline. Much of the humour this week came at the expense of Ruth's cooking. Bernadette Hawkes at ArchersFan2015 asked... Does it take all day to make a lasagna? Among my favourite answers were the ones from Olwyn, at Ambridge Olwyn, who said, nah, surely not. Only got to pierce the cellophane and set the microwave to four and a half minutes. And in the same vein, Jasmine Allen, at Val Semper, said, yep, it's a long walk to M&S from Ambridge. Do take a look at the thread if you're missing the humour. So to the medal positions this week. In bronze position is a return visit for Audrey Ann at Ms. Touch Street, who says, Kate does yoga, so naturally putting her foot in her mouth comes easy. In silver, although I don't like to encourage him, it's Rob Titchener at Titchener R, who has Elizabeth saying, "Uh, Mia, I don't recall the waitress uniform I gave you for the hunt ball included a ski mask and a ban hunting protest sign. And in gold, it's newcomer Bagwaller, at Bagwaller, who has Ben saying, 
I can't lie, Mum. It's been bad, but we were getting through it. But today, today I heard you were bringing over a lasagna and I just lost it, realised I couldn't go on. I've suffered enough. Well, that's it from me for this week. See you all again at the next Tweet Along, Musk willing. Thank you, Theo. Thank you, Purple Pumpkin. As always, fantastic tweets of the last seven days. Don't forget, as well as Twitter and Facebook, which we mentioned, we're also on Instagram, where we are at Dumpty Dum. So do follow us and Katie there. Thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting godmother, Lucy V. Freeman. There you go, folks. With three minutes to spare, I can now watch the Mexican Grand Prix. Miss Christmas, <laughs> it's always a pleasure and a joy sharing podcasting duties with you. What are you up to this week? Anything special? I have a very busy week at work. I work in events and it is a event season. So lots of hard work and I'm going to a lovely bonfire on Saturday night at a repurposed social club which really sounds like the most young person thing to do ever doesn't it but yeah shortly after this while you go and watch grumpy i'll be watching the strictly results on catch up just to make myself sound a lot older than my years <laughs> <laughs> just before you go right this is a conversation really for another time but a bonfire's dying out are we really seeing the the, the glowing embers of bonfire night because of halloween because i think we are I think so, yeah. But where I grew up, isn't it? Lewis, as I'm sure you know, Royfield, it's a huge bonfire community in the villages around there, which goes on for months and months. And I'm actually popping down to see my lovely brother and soon-to-be sister-in-law down near those ends for a full weekend of village bonfire antics. So maybe everywhere else in the UK, but not Sussex. (laughs) But not Lewis. Yeah, that's the only place, yeah. You know, I really do miss Penny for a guy. It's something I never did as a kid, but like I used to give like five pence, ten pence. Some kids come come by the wheelbarrow with some funny stuff dummy thing in it with a with a funny face <laughs> and hat on it. It was awesome, and they used to burn it. You can't get more much more fun than that. All this dressing <laughs> up as Marvel characters and trying to get sweets off random strangers. I mean, knocking on their door. Oh, I love that. <laughs> burn something burn something which you've been (laughs) wheeling around in a wheelbarrow for the last week much more fun anyway folks on that note i'm going to say to lot of it and uh uh, see you all next week another rip roaring barnstorming episode of dumpy dump where we follow the exploits of our most favorite village in the whole wild world ambridge julia thank you all
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.